Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. And good morning, it's Annie for Showreel, look at Australian filmmaking and filmmakers and other sort of uh, moving images that appear on the Australian cultural scene. And today I'm great I have great pleasure and am proud to be able to introduce you to Nicole Ma. She is the director of a fantastic film called Putapari and the Rainmakers. Hello, how are you, Nicole? Good morning, Annie. I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Now, uh, it's actually quite an extraordinary film, isn't it, The Putapari and the Rainmakers? Uh, you went to the sandy desert where uh, Putapari and his uh, compatriots lived and you were wanting to make a film. Um, I didn't go there originally thinking I was going to make a film. I went there in 2001 with another film and they weren't interested in participating in that. But uh, Budabari's grandfather, Spider, spotted me and he said, oh, we're going back to our country and we haven't been back for 50 years. You can come and film that. So um, that's how it all started. I went, came back to Melbourne. I got some money from the ABC and went on the, my first trip to Godal with them. And I made a, a half an hour film for the ABC. But I shot, we, we traveled for five or six days and I shot everything and things happened at the waterhole that I didn't really understand. And um, when I got back, I made a, quite a superficial film, I think, looking back on it now. It was beautiful, but still quite superficial. And so it's taken me a few more trips back there and over 10 years to really understand what it all meant. I have to say that's one of the powers of this film, the Puttapati and the Rainmakers for me, is it's quite clear that you grow in your understanding of what it is that Spider has given you to do. Uh, it's His story and what they are trying to do is extraordinary, isn't it? It is really. And um, I, I have to say I went there, I was very ignorant about Aboriginal culture. I hadn't lived in the country you know, I'd been living in America for many years. And so when when I um, met Spider, I really didn't have any background to Aboriginal culture. So I was, I was like um, a virgin, so to speak, with the, about the culture. So I, I guess I grew into it. And he, I don't speak Wonka Jonka and he doesn't speak English. So we had to communicate visually and, and sort of by feel, by me watching what they did in country and keep and when every time I went there and filmed it trying to put together the pieces of what what were they doing there the main thing that struck me was how their relationship to the country 
was so visceral. You know, they it's it's not just like we think about our home. You know, we we command our home and we use it, and but it's not part of us. We don't we don't have a um, a relationship with our home, and they have a real relationship with their country. And I think this is what over the ten years I was able to capture. And in a funny kind of a way, it documents the in uh, the colonial experience, but from uh, an Aboriginal. Uh, country person's view, right? Oh, that's right. So when when the um, colonialism came to WA and how it started, you know, the Canning Stockroot story, for instance. Yeah, that's right. That was fascinating. Yes. Um, My film sort of tells it from their point of view, how it affected them. You know, yeah. and how actually Tom says for them now, it's it's like a highway from the desert into town. Yeah. Right, and uh, the interesting thing is that Spider is a uh, Spider and Dolly. They're a couple who are uh, elders of uh, this of the Sandy Desert people, and it's his family that have a connection as uh, to the waterhole that we go and see that we seek. They seek, in fact. Yeah, uh, the waterhole's Goral, and it it belongs to um, Spider is the custodian of it. Um, Dolly's father is um the myth is that he he uh, when he died he became the snake spirit so a lot of the thinking i mean i think the worldview is that they are part of the country if they're born there uh, when they die they go back there so they become part of the country again so it's all one you know continuum yeah and things have to be right and things were a bit not right, exactly. Not right. Well, things are changing, of course, because they're not living there anymore. So they, the main thing is that they're not taking care of country like they used to when they were living there all the time, and um, and that is part of um, the dilemma. I think that when they go back there, and because of climate change, I think because they, the the second trip when when the waterhole was covered which is quite was quite a difficult thing to explain to people because and it was interesting because they found this very disturbing they did and they were very upset very upset and, from and when west, i went i thought like, oh, isn't that oh lovely? yes you know swimming and <laughs> we're in the desert and lots of water and all that but spider was terribly upset and all the old people were crying and sitting down and and wanted to go home immediately they thought it was dangerous because they do equate anything wrong um meteorologically with the snake spirit not either being happy or not happy if he's happy it rains if he's not happy there's things like water on the land you know because what it was doing was it was covering up the water hole so they couldn't get to it yes that's right and so everything was out of kilter it was very very uh, interesting for a westerner myself um to uh, be listening listening very carefully to what they were trying to get across to us in this film. And I didn't think this film was an ordinary film at all. I thought this film was like a message stick mm. to Australians. Mm. I mean, I know that then uh, this is why I think it's important for people to go and see uh, Puttapari and the Rainmakers as well as the uh, David Gilpil films that have come out because it's beholden on Western, uh, uh, Westerners who are living on this country to understand what it is to live in this country. 
and uh, uh, it's, it's a very powerful film. And uh, uh, before I ask you about how you actually practically made this film, I can, can't get away from the uh, extraordinary uh, nous that Spider had in gathering you up to do... He, 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 he knew that he needed somebody to get his message across and he knew that filmmaking was the way of doing it. He very did, modern. He, yes, it's, it is very modern. And I mean, in hindsight, you know, 10 years is a long time. I mean, a few times I've, I've interviewed Tom and, you know, Budabari. Yeah. And said, well, how, how did you, you know, how come you're the one, you know, why are you the one that's having and to take care grandson. of it? And this is the grandson. This is Spider's grandson. Yes. And he's, he's the um, lead character in the film. And he said, I don't know. They just picked me. Your old people just pick you. And, after, you know, now I look back on that and I think, I think they picked me because when I went there in 2001, I had no idea why they wanted me to go to country and why they said I could film it. And I did do it. I did make a little film. And, and frankly, I mean, you're female. You were quite young and um, you come from a, an Asian background, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. And also I knew so nothing about, about their culture. I mean, maybe that was why they chose you. No, no, I don't think so. You, they chose you because of some spirit in you. I don't know. But I it's very intelligent. It's very intelligent. And, and really, you are right, I'm a woman, and that my film is men's business. So That's it is right. very odd. Mm. It is very odd. And that they allowed that to happen. And Dolly really mentored me through the whole thing. You know, she was She's an always, extraordinary character. She is. She was always going, come here, come here, come here. You know, let me tell you a story. You know, I, uh, you, you've got to do this. You know, more singing and dancing. We've got, to, we've got to transfer, you know, our knowledge. And she was always talking to me and always in Wonka Jonka and Walmajerry. And I didn't understand a word she said. But I knew that she was trying, you know, she was giving me something she was bathing to facilitate. You in it. Yes. She was bathing you in it. Yes. Yeah. Quite amazing. I couldn't have made this film five years ago. Mm. What What's the change for you? Just um, understanding the nuances of what was happening. There was this. The film has quite a few layers to it, I think, and that has taken me a long time. To, I think that's very modest of you. I think there's many, many layers. And it, but it was it was actually very hard to um, sculpt that into a story that was watchable. Mm, yeah, yeah, well, that's exactly right. That's And that gets me to something that someone said. Uh, I, I went with someone else who said this thing, which I found quite interesting, and so I thought I'd pose this question to you. Mm -hmm. She was wondering why was it important for us to know all these hard details about the uh, Puttapari Tom and his past? Why was it so important to know that, you know, he had a drinking problem and that he bashed his wife and, and then he w was reborn? Well, because I think the, uh, the story, his story is one of redemption. That's right. And I think that that's a universal theme that people can identify with. And one of the hardest problems I had with the film is to work out how could I um, communicate to an audience the issues that someone like Tom has to face. And that's why I asked Tom if he, if he would allow me to, to use him as a lead character because he's straddling those two worlds. And he has been picked by Dolly and Spider to, to take the culture forward. You know, he's actually got all the knowledge. But, you know, he, they also know or everybody there drinks. Everybody, you know, is involved in violence. And I thought, you know, the, the audience needs to know what they're confronting in order to be able to think how can we help 
you know, not not have that keep keep their help them keep their culture going if they don't know what the problems are. Yeah, yeah, and also in a funny kind of a way, it's a very uh, uh, interesting need for respectability that's overlaid in in uh, European co- culture. You know what 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 you do uh, bad or inappropriate or whatever is inside, not outside. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was very brave of him to let me put. I, I, think so too. I said, "I've got to do this," and for his family too, like the kids uh, who are more grown up now, to uh, to see expre- that, yes. yeah, and to express what they. Ha- you gave them space to express their uh, uh, um, how they didn't like it and uh, how they still love him. Yeah, one of the great things about this film is I took it back to Fitzroy Crossing and showed the community, and we had this huge screen. Oh, that would have been great. It was fantastic, but. Elders of you know and leaders of the community have come back to me and and said, you know, the young people are feeling really proud because of the film, because they can see that their culture is still strong, and even though it shows what their problems are, it um, it has given them a validation of who they are, and and I think within the community, it's it's doing a lot of good for the young people. It gives them a sort of a purpose. They can see their purpose now. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, you're on uh, Showreel with Annie and I'm talking with uh, a wonderful person called Nicole Ma, who's uh, the director of this f- terrific film called Patapari and the Rainmakers, which is going to be shown at Nova starting October the 1st. It's uh, one of their exclusives. So uh, if you want to see it, you should go down there and uh, get a ticket. And I really recommend it because it's not a normal film. It's not an ordinary film. It's a film that is about uh, the way forward in uh, uh, Aboriginal and uh, European-Australian collaboration or or not uh, working together, understanding. And uh, as I said, Spider and uh, Dolly, you've created you've created characters, but they themselves are characters. And that business about getting to country, and you said you went there about five times. Four. Four times. Just uh, the uh, method of making a film like that. Tell me about that. Do you mean in... Um, physically. Physically, oh, it was very hard. You know, I'm an urban... Um, cowboy, <laughs> <laughs> and I when I, I never had camped before, or never even thought about that I would want to do that. So when I had to go out into the desert, I took all my you know gear and ended up not using any of it because I didn't know how to put it put tents up or anything. And nobody uses tents; they just throw their blankets on the ground and sleep under the stars. So they taught me how to live outdoors. And it's very tough. It takes five or six very hard driving days to get out there. There's no roads, so you have to slash the bush. And, it, you know, you might sometimes go five or ten k's a day. And it's 50-degree heat. You've got to be very mindful of water. Food's easy to get because they're very good hunters and gatherers. But water is a big issue because... Um, the water, because the camels and all the, the and in fact, feral they, animals. I was going to say they went into the economy of the waterholes. They did, and and they're ruining the good water now. So, um, and you have to carry all your diesel in and out. So you have to be very mindful and calculate: can you get out? You know, with 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 the diesel that you have. So, there's a lot of preparation. It costs a lot of money, and that's why they can't go there. You know, at the drop of a hat. Mm. Uh, and the other thing I think is, uh, um, I it, 
over the years, they kept calling me back to make f- films, and and I also started to do multimedia for um, Mangaja Arts, which is the art center there. So it it gave me the opportunity to continue filming all, over ten years and creating this huge archive that I now have. I mean, it's the tip of the iceberg, that film. I've got so much more material than what's in the film. And also, I had to leave out the woman's story, you know, Dolly's story and that part of it. Because well, well, that's the thing, isn't it? We should probably go back to the reason for why Spider wanted the film to be made because it was built around the... It's got all these unintended or maybe intended um, outcomes, but originally it was about uh, a... Uh, uh, wanting to get their land back. That's right. They, they, I mean, somehow they knew because they have an oral tradition and, and I think film is visual and so they can see that it's useful. They don't really like me cutting up the film and making, you know, editing it into a, what we call a film. They like just watching footage. Yeah. So if I shoot something, they could watch all of that for hours and hours on end. And, and then when I cut it up, they'll say, well, where's the, uh, like the crane, for instance, where's the crane? You know, it's not in there anymore. So um, I think they, un- they really understand the value of the permanency of film. So that when he goes, he knows that it will be recorded and his future generations will be able to see pass on that knowledge in that way. Now, there was a, a, a land, um, he, he came up with a, the method of a map, a big painted map where everybody came and uh, drew their part, their land, their uh, land. Yeah, that's right. Well, they had already started be, um, using painting as a way of expressing um, their relationship to country. Because they don't read and write. They don't read and write, and, and so that... So they said, well, we can't read and write, but what we can do is paint. And the Gariyas, which is the white people, really like our painting. So we're painting our country. Let's make a map of the whole country so that they can see that it belongs to us. And we'll put down all the water holes and all the features on the land that we know. And that'll prove to, you know, Canberra, they call it, the government, that it's our, that we can get our native title. And it was incredibly precise, wasn't it? It's very precise. I mean, paintings that um, Spider, geologists have told me that when he paints, he paints sometimes the underground caverns of where the waters are under, underground, and they said that it's very accurate. Isn't it extraordinary? It's extraordinary. And the thing that was really extraordinary was that uh, they came together from all corners of this land to show the bits that belong to, well, not belong they belong to different families have custodial duties to different parts of yeah, that that's land. Right. That's that, what I should say. Yeah, yeah. That's about um, four. There were four language groups on that painting, and they they all painted their part of the country. And it was it's very interesting to watch them paint because they don't discuss really no. where's it going or what color are you using or how are we going to do this. They go well, this is our bit, and they just sit down and they start painting, and then they. They create this most amazing-looking canvas, and they—how is it they do that? And this is the thing that's so extraordinary to us. I don't know. No, I, I have I, to say, I—I I really don't know. I just know that I've seen them do it. Not only that, I've seen them do smaller ones together, and they literally just sit down without any discussion, and they just paint their country or their part of the country, and they seem to know which which bits are, you know, where the boundary, where their boundaries, because they have their own they, boundaries, and, and they link. They do link. And not only that, but when they put it up, it's aesthetically 
gorgeous. Yeah, extraordinary. In fact, that particular painting was uh, taken off to the Australian National uh, Gallery, gallery in, and in displayed. Canada. Yeah, they must have been. And then they went back and got it. They did. <laughs> they said, we want it back. <laughs> yeah, we want it back, which I was really impressed with. And then they put it out on the ground and they walked all over it. <laughs> And danced on it. And it was fantastic because, of course, it, you, you shot all this and the people from the ga- gallery have all got their gloves on and all this in their humidity, you know, their uh, environmentally uh, uh, carefully uh, calibrated uh, environment. Yeah, I was talking to the conservators after they received it, you know, um, and they said it took them months to clean it. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> And then they were really, they were really frightened to give it back because they knew it was going to get. Because actually, it's aging the canvas, you yeah, know, but it's being rolled up and the and the paints um, cracking. Away. And, yeah, so Coming the away. conservators are quite worried about it. But well, you know, it it represents to the to the family's country. So to them, when they stand on it, they're actually standing physically on their country. That's right. It's all very extraordinary stuff, and this is why this film is so extraordinary. Uh, the, so you went there f- about four times. You you braved all these different things, and then you've got this extraordinary. Th- this part in that film when they go and meet their country again, which is so. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before. In which my which life. was? Do you mean the last trip? Well, yeah, when they're all going with all the water and uh, the way they go around and they sing country and then they put all the paint or the stuff oh, on themselves. Yeah. And it's just that whole bit about um, coming back, uh, being part. It's like embracing the yeah, country. That that's priceless. That footage. I couldn't believe it when I found that footage. Tom gave me Udburi gave me that footage. Very much at the beginning when I first met him at VHS. Mm-hmm. That's and, right. And I'd already been there and filmed the country. And, and when he gave me the VHS, I thought, oh, no, oh, really? I'm not interested. It's VHS. I've already shot it and really nicely and all that. And then in about five years down the line, I thought, I better look at all the footage because I've decided to make a film now mm. and just decide, you know, what, what I'm going to keep and what I'm not going to keep. And I found this VHS and, and when I had a look at it, I couldn't believe it. This is like priceless Australian archival footage. It's, it's, you know, I haven't seen anything like it really. So unusual. Mm. So unusual and so unmediated. Yes. And to think that they're still alive. I know. You know, that Tom was there and Spider's still alive and they could tell me about it. Incredible, absolutely incredible stuff. Um, they didn't actually uh, uh, get their land title for the waterhole because... Um, well, not was, that waterhole. Not no, that waterhole. No. Uh, only because it was, it didn't fit the maps. It didn't fit the our Europa- maps, European, European maps. maps. Which was such a telling piece of information, yes, I have to say. It's very simple, but it is telling. Mm. You know, their mapping is different from our mapping. Our mapping is very straight. So if it's not in there, so certain certain organizations um, take care of different boundaries and Goral fell out of the boundary that yeah. um, the Kimberley Land Council was taking care of. So it didn't get into, didn't get native title, even though all the evidence that was used to get native title for that area came from Goral, which is spiders country, because they had all that evidence. Extraordinary stuff. I, it just says so much about the uh, the way uh, Australia, as it exists, needs to re-examine what it's doing. 
It just seems extraordinary to me. I was anyway. It was quite quite um, extraordinary. Um, I, I uh, so you've got this ongoing connection with this family. I do. I think they're like they're my family now. I can't. I can't um, dump them. <laughs> You know, sometimes it feels like a, it really a, a burden, but not really. I mean, I love them, and but it is. I am very um, connected to them now, and and uh, will do would do anything for them. And I'm very protective of the material that I have. And what I want to do eventually is to create an archive, and put you know that they, they are talking. It's a ten year project, but they are talking about um, building a cultural center in Fitzroy Crossing. For the big, for the canvas, and for all the archive material that different people have, so I'm hoping that that will come, that that will become um, real one day, and so we'll be able to keep all this material for the younger generations. It's fantastic. You you mentioned a little bit uh, about how you edited all this material, uh, break you know making it into a narrative which was more palatable effectively yes. for a Western audience. Yes. And I, I say you are successful um, and marrying much more of their perception of the world than uh, we're normally aware of. Uh, h- how long did it take you to edit? Over a year it took, mm. and three editors. Ah. It, it took – and each editor was very good in the in, – one was good at story, one was very good at the um, sort of spiritual, poetic, visual side – and then one was able to straddle the two and brought it together. Yes, and then and then he just he just took the two um, versions and was able to to meld them together because I really felt I needed to keep the story a story going, not not just have it poetic and spiritual, you know, so that people needed to understand what was going on because some sometimes people said some people's feedback was just let the um, the ceremony go. Don't say anything about it. Don't explain it. Just let people watch it. But when people watched it, they really didn't understand what was going. Why? Why were they throwing? Just look like old men throwing water over themselves, or, or um, I agree. Then doing these funny little dances. It just didn't look like. I had to have a a way of explaining to the audience. This this really means something, you know. And and not only on the country, but it's filtered into the way they, they take it out into the world, like in the headdresses, in their painting. You know, it's all it's all the same thing. It all comes from this ceremony that they do at the waterhole. Which I just found uh, fantastic. And also the way they used any pieces of material of any sort yeah. to make their headdresses to resemble and their capacity to be able to imagine what it was all, do- uh, what it was for. Yes, I think it's very real to them. You know, the way they talk to the snake spirit, he's right there and he's either going to be mad at them or or happy that they're visited and they're waiting to hear from him as to what his mood is. And um, that's why And that's why Spider, is, um, as the custodian, has to spend a lot of time talking to the snake spirit when they all, when they all land there. You know, in the in the film, he's he's constantly striding up and down the country, yelling at him, saying, "I'm here. I've brought your family. How are you? You know, don't get mad at us. You know, we're sorry we haven't been here to look after you, but here we are. You know, and uh, eventually, of course, it always rains. Yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> it did. I mean, one could say it's a coincidence, but I've seen a lot of coincidences. 
<laughs> oh, well, thank you very much for coming in and talking to us about Puta Party and the Rainmakers. And I cannot stress enough that if you have any inkling or any desire to understand Aboriginal connection to land, you really must go down to Nova or October the 1st. It's an exclusive at uh, at Nova. And uh, the I have to say the cinema of the best uh, films in town. And that's Showreel for this week and uh, Published or Not is coming up next and we'll go out with two peas in a pod. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.